Good evening everybody, we are here on the 12th of the 6th month, our 14th year, we are on our 71st Q&A, we got loads of questions, we just thank God for every question you send us and we continue to pray, God gives us the answer that we remain as true as we are able to the truth and to his spirit and I pray that the answer will comfort you strengthen you, exhort you, if need, correct you. Mm. So this evening Q&A, we commit into the hands of the Lord. And I would ask Pastor Vijay, would you lead us in prayer before we begin? Father, we just want to thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for this opportunity that you have given to all of us, Lord. Father, to uh, go through this time of Q&A, Lord. Father, every time that we come together, Lord, it's a privilege, Lord. We just want to thank you, Father. Father, for all the questions that your children have sent, and I pray, Father, that you would answer every one of these questions, O Lord, that you would grant your servant the spirit of wisdom and revelation, and all of us the anointing, the anointing that will teach us, teach us your ways, show us your paths. Yes, Lord, a place, the church is a place where we are taught, and I pray, Lord, that you would continue to teach us, continue to equip us, O Lord, continue to change our thought processes, O Lord, that we will not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but we'll be transformed by the renewing of the mind, that we will continue to prove that which is good and the acceptable and the perfect will of God in our lives, O Lord, that our lives will be more and more conformed, Lord, to your word, and our minds will be transformed to the mind of Christ a little more. To that, and I pray that you would, Lord, bless this time, O Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. We praise you, we worship you, we give you glory. For in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Yes, Pastor Vijay. So question number three, Pastor, this is concerning the last days. So this is question number three. Uh, okay. Can we project it on screen? Thank you. But concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. Why did Jesus say that only the Father will know the day and the hour, but not the Son, nor the angels? In John's Gospel, chapter 10, verse 30, he said, I and the Father are one. Is it because he was in the flesh on earth? Yes. One of the reasons or the main reason is if you go to the book of Philippians and chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2 and words 5 onwards. <clears throat> Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. And it's talking about the attitude and then 6. Who being in the form of God, okay, he came in the form of God, he came in the human flesh, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, meaning he was equal to the Father, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bond servant, coming in the likeness of men. Mm. Okay, yeah. Eight, yes. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. So there was something that happened when Jesus came in the flesh. There is, I mean, theologians will go to great stretch to say that he was fully God and fully man. At one level it is true, but he was fully man. Mm -hmm. And I believe he emptied himself of a lot of his divinity. Divinity. Because the simple question he was, when he walked on earth and he was fully God with all the faculties of God, then why did he have to pray? Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. Why did he have to pray? God does not have to pray. 
God does not have to pray. Why did he have to pray? And the way he prayed, why did uh, he have to hear from God every day? See what God is doing. He could have done on his own. Right? The Father is not in Trinity looking at the Son to see what. No, that's not how the Godhead works. But when Jesus came, you will see there was an empty. So, technically speaking, this is how I could be wrong, but this is how I see. He voluntarily submitted to the Father in mm-hmm. all things. Yes. Okay. Mm. So when he says, no man knows the hour except the Father, he's telling a factual. If mm. the Father doesn't tell me, I do not know. Mm-hmm. I do not he's know. He's also the man. Yeah. He's okay. Also, or if you look at my favorite <laughs> chapter, Mark, verse in Mark chapter 1. Okay. Mm. In the previous night. Yeah. We don't have to go there, but in the previous night, uh, if he was acting fully as God, as mm. we pr- um, always think, okay, without emptying himself of that and surrendering the will of the Father, he could have told the previous night itself, we are going to another town tomorrow. So don't let the crowds come. That would be very normal, decent person would try yes, to do, yes, right? Yes. But he still doesn't know. Mm. Still doesn't know. The morning when he goes to pray, that's when the Father says, it's not here, it is there. So if you look at the pattern in Jesus' life, uh, that is, he's showing us how to be led by the Spirit. The Spirit doesn't tell us everything. Mm. And he is the firstborn among many. Why did he have to do that? So that we could live that way. If he comes as God and he knows everything till the end, everything, then how do we follow him? Mm. How do we follow him? Then we will say, Lord, then you are victorious because you knew everything. Okay, There are certain things which he knew. And certain things, a lot of things which he did not know. And he voluntarily submitted. And that's the walk of faith. If, if you ask how did Jesus walk, did he walk by faith or did he walk by sight? <laughs> by if he knows everything, he's walking by sight. Wow. He's walking by sight. Okay, he's walking by sight. And he's not walking by sight. He's walking by faith. And he's showing us, primarily he's showing us one fundamental thing that you can trust my father to the uttermost. I'm showing you a life. That my father has his, your best in his heart. And everything will ultimately work for good as long as you love him, you trust him, and you call according to his purpose. His life was Romans 8.28. Mm. So that's where I see. Now if you ask me this question, does he know now when he's coming? I still am not sure. Uh-huh. What if he doesn't want to know? He's God. <laughs> but what if he doesn't want to know? And he tells the Father, whenever you let me know, it's fine. <laughs> yeah. You begot me that day, I became the Son. Mm. And I am different from the Trinity that I have a body. Oneness Pentecostal churches refuse to accept this. <laughs> they say he's, God is only one. He is the creator in creation. He is Christ in redemption. And is the Holy Spirit now in sanctification. But that's not what the Bible says. You go through the Bible and you have to really, really, really twist around to come to that theology to say, how does that work? The Lord said to my Lord. I mean, it sounds like a person talking to himself. No, but that's not what the Bible says. You know? So, uh, let us be very clear about it, you know? We don't know even how now it is. Hmm. Maybe he's absolutely content with the father taking all the decisions and letting him. He says, Father, I voluntarily. Or he may know everything. Okay. But is he God? He's God. Equal to God. Okay. Equal to God. So he's showing us a way. He's showing us a way. No, he's showing us a way. No, 
And that works because he's showing us a pattern. Now, let me ask you this question in that pattern. That's what uh, Corinthian Hebrew Paul will say. The head of God, the head of Christ is God. Mm. The head of man is Christ. The head of woman is man. Simple question is, does my wife have to know everything? Mm. No. No. Doesn't have to know everything. Does Christ tell the church everything? No. No. (laughs) But does Christ have the best intentions of the church? Absolutely. Does a husband need to have the best intentions of his wife? Yes. But doesn't mean everything needs to be done. There's a transparency. That doesn't mean the other person needs to know everything. everything. Yes. And God doesn't tell the church everything. Doesn't tell the church everything. Still, the church doesn't know most of the things. Yeah. And Christ doesn't tell the church. <laughs> He's just telling bits and pieces, little by little by little by little by. He's revealing it. So if you look at the whole picture, I believe that's how Jesus came. Otherwise, there is a problem in us following his footsteps. Because if he walked by sight, then we also need to walk by sight. Then there is no greatness in walking by faith. Hmm. Greatness is in walking by faith, uh, sight. Right. That you tell us everything. <coughs> yes, Pastor Vijay. Pastor, because since we are still in the last days, we have to look at, this is want to look at question number five, Pastor. It's, uh, very, five, yeah. It's a little intense. It says, okay. how do we understand and interpret the young children being orphaned and churches without the shepherd who didn't make it? Regardless of praying, through though while some of them were strong in the Lord and in His Word, okay, that's what I was talking about in the morning. Though we may do everything we want to do, that is the sovereignty of God. Okay, there's the sovereignty of God. There's the sovereignty of God, and that are the weaknesses of man. Okay, there's a sovereignty. You could be the best man on in town, absolutely right with God, and you still die. You still die. Okay, and that is Deuteronomy, mm-hmm. where Moses is as strong as you can be at 120, his eyesight is fine, his strength is fine, but you die. And God is going to take you down, knock you out, and bury you. <laughs> you have no choice about <laughs> it. So, I mean, can Moses lead Israel to victory? Better than Joshua. Mm-hmm. Honestly, he can lead Israel to victory next generation. What they say is, till Joshua, just be like Moses. Moses can lead Israel to victory and he wouldn't give goof off like the way they did with I. Okay? Yeah. But in God, God in his sovereignty because of the big picture, the big picture, prophetic picture of Jesus is bigger than any individual life. Yeah. And Moses represents the law. The law cannot take you into the promised land. Only grace can. And Joshua represents grace. <laughs> okay? Yeshua. So the huge big picture is there and that's why everything, everything is caught in the picture of Jesus Christ. Wow. And what does not fit into the picture of Jesus Christ doesn't matter how great that man is. He has to move on, pass and make way for the other. Wow. So when we look at ch- children, pastors, you uh, know, uh, what is happening is, but in some cases, maybe the pastors did everything they need to do and the church did everything they need to do. And yet, when the flood comes, the righteous and the wicked goes. It's there in the Bible. But in other cases, there is absolute protection also granted. Like in the entire Exodus narrative, you don't see any Israelite dying in Egypt during those ten plagues. Yes. They were protected supernaturally by the plague after plague after plague. So there's a picture over there. There's a picture over there. Yet when they come into the promised land, you have, if I write in the 
second battle 36 israelites die mm. before a weak enemy mm. so what happened to their protection their protection also went because they did not after that you don't hear about any death about any israelite we are not even sure did anybody else die did they just win battle after battle after with any no casualties that seems to be what is written so when you look at it we do not know we do not understand but we have to do our duty like our duty as a church as pastors as shepherds is from the time this began we have stood steadfastly before the church and before god and intervened practically 7 days a week mm. ministry wise 6 days a week we have stood there we have used every tools at our disposal given in the word of god the blood of jesus the name of jesus the word of god prayer binding casting we have done it all and we keep on doing it yet at the end of the day we can look back and say it is by god's grace Amen. and god's mercy he brought us through so far and i still say so far we have started march 2020 this is um, june 2021 like 15 months he has brought us through without a single casualty and it is not that we are a strong church when you talk about physically we have some of the oldest members most of the most ill members and most of the most vulnerable members yes. like if you look at elderly all vulnerable old ill with all comorbidities and very vulnerable members yet we have come through practically untouched and uh, if you look at this entire process only one person was actually vaccinated with both doses in the entire church only one person and because that person happened to be working with bharat biotech coaxin manufacturer so she was the first volunteer there she is the only one who has actually got two doses others because of company reasons are starting to get but as far as i know the one or two have who got vaccinated have only got one dose yeah. Okay, so you meaning if you look at it, God in His mercy. See, we have to do what we have to do, and what we cannot do, only God can do. But we can say, Lord, you do everything. God is not going to do. And I believe the duty of the leadership in the church is when it when stuff like this comes, they have to. That's what I am saying. At Rephidim, uh, the Amalekites attacked. Yeah. It's not Israel attacked Amalekites. Mm. right if you go over there yes, yes. yeah uh, at refidim uh, exodus 17, 17 no israel was not attacking they were just poor people were peacefully moving right okay and uh, as soon as they have drunk from the rock remember words 8 17 8 exodus 17 8 okay 17 8 now amalek came and fought with israel in refidim okay and if you look at what happens is there uh, verse 10 okay verse 10 uh, yeah verse 9 and 10 we'll read from 9 actually verse 9 onwards okay moses said to joshua choose some men to go out fight with amalek tomorrow i will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of god in my hand so joshua did and moses and aaron and her went up to the top of the hill now if you go to verse 11 mm. this is what the word of god says so it was as long so it was when moses held up his hand israel prevailed and when he went down let down his hand amalek prevailed and verse 12 what does aaron and her do they put a seed for moses 
and put it under him. He sat and Aaron and hearts. See, this is what we are called to do. Mm. It's a battle going on. It's a spiritual battle. It's a real battle with disease and people are dying. What is the leadership called to do? Stand up on the hill with a word and in prayer. And if you look back, what did we do for the 15 months? Word and prayer. Only thing we have done. And we did it by faith. When we started, we had no clue we would come through the pandemic this way. Now, on, honestly telling, I always panic. That's what I said about to the LHL staff. Uh, no going back and forth. Stay. Let the staff, let two people volunteer and stay for two weeks, especially when the lockdown. So you know, our LHL staff is not being dropped back and forth. They are staying there. Because I need to do what is possible, no? See that people don't go in there and outside people shouldn't be coming into going into LHL. And I, these, um, CWC people who are coming every week, I told them to tell them, why are you coming? You are put, actually, you people should not be putting our children to rest. You are going to every home and then coming over there. So last time they were good. They didn't go up. They said, just get the readings down. We, our nurse can do the readings. Don't put my children at risk. We are doing everything possible to keep the children safe. So that's all we can do. What we and practically, and the other side of it's what we have to do spiritually. And we have stood in the gap spiritually. We have fought this battle at different levels. One for the protection of God's people. Second, exposing the demonic. And you know, it's getting exposed. It's coming out. People are realizing there's a huge agenda behind the thing, little by little. They're trying to cover up, but it is being exposed. And that's all we have to do. Now, we, I am not saying because we did all this, all this happened. I'm not saying because at the end of the day, I can still say it's God's mercy and His grace. Yeah. But we can also say, Lord, as far as we understood, we did what we are supposed to do. Mm. Now, the question is, if you go, if you go to verse 11, verse 11, so it was when Moses held his hand, Israel prevailed. Okay? Now look at this. When he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. Now imagine as shepherds around the world, shepherds put their hands down. I'm too tired. It is a fundamental principle. I'm too tired. This is too much. This is too much. This is, it's too tiring. I mean, there's no need for it. It's all makes sense. But we have pictures in the Bible. And if we had put our hands down and stopped praying and uh, somebody died, we would have said, oh, that's natural, that person was not careful. These things happen. But the thing is that we just need to be faithful to what God has called us to do. And yeah. God will do which we cannot, we cannot do. Yes. Okay. So Aaron and Hurt suddenly realized Israel is losing every time the hands come and prayer and intercession and the word comes down. Because one day he has the rod of God, which is the word of God. And the other hand is the prayer hand together, the word and the prayer. When it comes down, people are losing. Yeah. Now, I don't expect... The church to be praying all the time. They have to go out and do their work in the in the world. They are caught to do their work in the world. But the leadership is called to pray and to lift the word of God. And that's what we are supposed to do. And it doesn't matter at the end of the day if you look at it. One, two, three. Right? And the two of you who were worshipping. But primarily if you look at it, two people preached and one person was praying. How many people are there on the hill? Three. How many people are there out on the ground? Plenty doing their work. So it didn't take numbers. It only took three people to bring victory. 
Three people. And how many people have been standing for 15 months? Three people. Three people. Two people preaching, one person praying, and then the worship is there. Okay, that's part of it. But ultimately, if you look at it, the preaching and the prayer, it was three people. And it's still three people. And God doesn't look at numbers. If it says if two or three gather, the mouth of two or three witnesses. So it does not matter how small your church is. Mm. People will say, oh, but my church is, well, it takes only two. And the pastor and his wife is enough. <laughs> two people. Stand in the gap. Lift up your hands. Cry out to God. He will hear. Lord, these are your people. And they're like, Lord, they are sheep. They don't know the right hand from their left hand. They're out in the danger. They're fighting a battle. At least Joshua knows who is fighting. We don't even know who we are fighting. fighting. Yes, yes, that's true. So how much more we should be praying? Mm. You know? So, and these are people who have never fought before. It's not, it's a battle hardened army. You know, they're ex-slaves coming out of Egypt. They don't know what fighting is. They only know how to make bricks. <laughs> they don't know how to fight. Yet, Prayer is bringing victory into their camp. That's all I said. We are not condemning, judging anybody, and we are not exalting ourselves. We only say that we are doing our duty. And we look into the word of God. This is the first batter. Mm. Genesis, sorry, Exodus 17 is the first battle of Israel in the wilderness. The first battle in the wilderness, right? This yes. is the First battle in the wilderness. So by principle of first mention, something is being taught to us. How does the church fight? It's a leadership, lifts up the word and hands in prayer. And that's what in the book of Acts, the apostle says, we will give ourselves over continually to the ministry of the word and the ministry of the prayer. And God did the rest. Hallelujah. We have to be faithful to the revealed things mm. in the world. And God will be faithful to you. You can never worry about God's faithfulness. Yes. Okay. And if churches are still coming out strong, it is not because we are faithful, because even when we are unfaithful, He's still faithful. faithful because Amen. He loves His ship. That's all. Yes, I'm not Lord. condemning anybody. Yes, I am not uh, saying about anybody, but I do believe what we have to do, we have to do. And the churches, most of our churches have come through, even around the world, they have come through very well. And in the churches where we have lost people, you need to realize they were the most vulnerable in terms of, they were HIV kids. And HIV kids, when they get it, it's very difficult for them to survive. As such, this kills your immunity. And HIV have already lost your immunity. Mm. So we have rarely lost people who were not ill. Or a few in Alaska, maybe they had other comorbidities. I do not know. But other than that, almost as far as I have received the news, most of our people have come through. Most of our people have come through. And the ones who are vulnerable, all I tell that, God took them home. They got saved in the last one year. They got baptized in the Holy Spirit. They were HIV kids. And God just took them home. I'm not saying the disease killed them. I'm saying God took them home. Okay, they're suffering. Their suffering ceased. That's all I'm saying. But God, people, God has brought people through. No? Amen. Pastor? Yeah. There are questions re- related to you know, doctrine. It's because we are te- learning on doctrine. Mm. We, we look at those questions. Um, this is question number four. Mm. And another question too. It says, um, what's the difference between the new apostolic reformation and mm. reformed church? Is the NAR, that is a new apostolic reformation, aligned to word of faith movement? I'm checking this because there are plenty out in the world which enemy is using to give a word or different that belong to NAR, NAR type and it takes time to grasp its false doctrine or theology 
or something that is not on the word so oh. it's vital so then he's continuing so, so yeah. it's vital to understand the motives so to spot and discern gone are the days of uh, jehovah's witnesses and mormon's cult now there seems to be plenty others that are subtle well nar is a new apostolic reformation okay the 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 thing is that you no know, i don't want to make judgments on uh, entire movements because i'm not a competent authority but the issue with i look into you see the new apostolic reformation basically is the people who are aligned to that and the word of faith may people are also aligned to that they are aligned if you look at it aligned because one of the kingpins of nar is kenneth copeland who is big one granddaddy of the word of faith movement current granddaddy the old granddaddy is all died he's a current granddaddy so they are aligned <laughs> but basically there are certain uh, theologies or doctrines they adhere to one thing that the god is restoring the office of apostles and prophets one and two see 3 4 5 was always there one and two there was always a doubt that is why you need to realize uh, you have this movement in nigeria the movement in us these two movements are very connected you have all these apostles and prophets in nigeria you know big name they are all part of nr and nar movement yeah. you need to understand they are all part of nar movement new apostolic so the apostles and uh, second is the the they adhere to what is called the dominion theology dominion theology nr also adheres to the dominion theology the issue with dominion theology let me explain i will just get into this two aspects of it and then leave the rest because it's a very very you know, the people the big people in nar is people like uh, peter wagner bill johnson or beth hale Kenneth Copeland of Kenneth uh, uh, Copeland Ministries. Ministries and all, but let us go to two things. Go to the Book of Corinthians, First hmm. uh, Corinthians, chapter four. Okay, Apostle. verse eight onwards. Okay, <laughs> Apostle. <laughs> okay, you are already full. You are already rich. You have reigned as kings without <laughs> us. In indeed, I could wish you you so. basically if you want to look back fast forward he's talking about wow you guys believe in dominion theology wow great he says you believe in good dominion i could wish you did reign and that we also might reign with you he said i wish he could reign with you so he's talking about the dominion because they are believing okay dominion this thing for i think god has displayed us the apostles last as men condemned to death for we have been made a spectacle to the world both to the angels and to men We are fools for Christ's sake. You are wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are distinguished. We are dishonored. So two groups of apostles are there. And he's putting him in the second group. There's one group, the dominion group, and the real group. Okay? And then, to the present hour, we both hunger and thirst. We are poorly clothed and beaten and homeless. To the present hour, we... Yeah. and we labor working with our own hands being reviled we bless being persecuted we endure yes being defamed we entreat we have been made as the filth of the world the offscouring of all things until now i do not write these things to shame you but as beloved children i warn you yeah come further 
For though you might have 10,000 instructions in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. Yeah. Therefore I urge you, imitate me. Yeah. For this reason I have sent Timothy to you, who is my beloved and faithful son in the Lord, who will remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach everywhere in every church. Come to verse 18. For some are puffed up as though I were not coming to you. But I will come to you shortly, if the Lord wills. And I, and I will know, not the word of those who are puffed up, but the power. For the, of For the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. And then, what do you want? Shall I come to you with a rod or in love and a spirit of gentleness? So you have two things you are looking at it. He does not deny his apostolic authority. Mm. So there is apostolic life and there is apostolic authority. In the NAR movement, you only see us apostolic power and life and authority talking about. They don't see you. Don't see the apostles' life. You don't see the apostles' life. Mm. That's the difference. So to to the all the so-called apostles, I'm saying I'm, I can only ask them is that can you agree with Paul? Can you agree with Paul? Can you agree with Paul that this is your life? That everywhere you go, you are shamed. People oppose you. They put you, you're like, consider the offscore. You are respectable both to the angels and to men, but you don't buckle under pressure at all. You still push on and you exercise that authority. But you have a life which you have the courage to tell the people, imitate it. In Christ. I'm dead to Christ. In Christ. I'm not worried about whatever I go through. I have no agenda of my own. I'm not trying to build a reputation, a name, a following in earth. I follow Christ. That's all. To the apostles from Nigeria and US, my question is, NAR is a new apostolic. So that's why they put new there. Because it's not part of the old apostolic movement. The old apostles are here. The old apostles are there. They go through, they are mocked, they are scorned. I'm not saying that you need to be beaten today. You're not beaten today. It's not because people don't want to beat you, but because law and order has come. Mm. Now the state gives you protection. Like in America, state gives you protection. Okay, In wherever there's a rule of law, the state protects you. Where there's no rule of law, you can still get beaten up. But the attacks never cease. And you do not go... I don't see any of the modern day apostles talking like, uh, like apostle. We work very hard to take care of ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> Which apostle do you know? <laughs> Which apostle do you know who lives such a simple life? Mm. Such simple. Which apostle do you know? Nobody lives like that. Okay, so that's the first thing about the apostolic. So you look at the apostolic thing. The second thing is dominion. Again, when you come to dominion, <laughs> you go to the word of God. I will only answer from the word because, you know, the word of God. If you come to Romans chapter 5, okay, Romans chapter 5, hmm, word 17 and then words 21, 5, 17 and 21. For by one man's offense, death reigned through the one. Much more those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. This is dominion. You come to verse 21. Again. So that sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So it is talking about reigning in righteousness through grace. 
that is. So what do you reign over? You reign over sin. You reign over sin. And Romans 6.14 says that. You reign over sin. Right? Romans 6.14 says you reign over sin. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. Second, you reign over the world system. You do not conform to it. But the problem is the new apostles, they all conform to the pattern of the world. They want to be leaders like the world. <coughs> with the wealth, with the bodyguards, with the following, and with um, bulletproof limousines. They want that. I mean, then Paul should have gone like that with um, on a chariot with all his bodyguards around that. I know what is waiting me in every city and I'm prepared to face them. I got my armed guards around me. That's not how that poor man went. He got beaten up everywhere. He rose up and he went to the next place. Okay. So first and one John 5, 4, dominion. Right? Whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory. So simple question is, are we overcoming the world or is the world overcoming us? Overcoming us. Revelation 12, 11. You know, the third, these three things we have to overcome. You know, that is domain. They overcame him. Who is this? The devil. Mm. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb, by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to the death. Okay. So these three things are there. And if you look at it, they did not love their lives to the death. If you look in history, every authentic apostle died. They were martyred. Yes. Except for John. Everybody was martyred because they refused to buckle under pressure. They refused to buckle. They wouldn't compromise on that. The world offered them compromise. They refused that compromise. So if you look at, you want to look at genuine apostolic dominion, theology, mm-hmm. one, you are an, uh, you are a apostle under the pattern of Corinthians 4. Not the reigning one, but the suffering apostle. Suffering in the sufferings of afflictions of Christ. Second one, you actually learn to learn to exercise dominion in your own life. Therefore, Paul will say, teach everywhere to imitate the life I have lived before you. These people also say the meaning, imitate our life, name it, claim it, and live like us. That's not what Paul is saying. Paul is saying, you know my life. And he tell Timothy also, watch your doctrine, watch your life. And Paul will say, Han. now let me ask you about that. In almost most of his letters, Paul will write saying that, teach them to imitate. I will say, show you. Philippians also. Everywhere. I'm just giving you random. If you go to Philippians chapter 3. Verse 17. Onwards. Onwards. Brethren, join in following my example and not those who walk as you have us for a pattern. Mm. For many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping. They are enemies of the cross of Christ. Okay? Whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, whose glory is in their shame, who set their mind on earthly things. And for our citizenship is in heaven for whom. Let me, let me tell you about it. When, if you read the book of Acts, the book of Acts. There were many places when Paul went in, Paul and Apollos and all you know went in. The people were willing to give them a royal welcome. Yes. Right? They refused. They tore their clothes. They tore their clothes and refused. But as in the modern day apostles received royal welcome in stadiums. Haven't they? In in Nigeria? And other part. Haven't they received it? In limousines, like President Trump coming to India and all. Haven't they received that kind of a welcome? 
Would Paul receive that welcome? He wouldn't. He was offered. He refused. He said, I'm just like you. Just like you. When this is the major issue. So in which way are we not conforming to the pattern of the world? Because that is what the world wants. Isn't that what the old selfie culture, the Facebook culture, Twitter culture is that everybody wants? That kind of adulation. That's what the devil offered Jesus. And that's what the world is offering. You know, that's why everybody wants to be either rich like uh, Zuckerberg or Morsi and have that influence or Bill Gates or industry leaders, entertainment leaders or Hollywood leaders or political leaders. I mean, isn't that, uh, can the church go that way? When Christ has shown, have this mind of Christ Jesus, though he was in God. Did not consider. I mean, if somebody could have taken it, he could have taken it. He rightfully hears. One day he will. But he refused. He refused. And the apostles followed that pattern. They did not want it when they were walking with him. They wanted the other one to sit on his right, to sit on his revenue kingdom. And then they understood this is not what it is. And Pentecost changed it completely. And they begin with the statement, we don't have gold and silver. Hmm. We do not have. No? Hmm. But what we have. So my question to NR, NAR movement and all is, and you look at all of them, is that we are not superstars. We are super servants. We are just servants. That's all. There's nothing different between an apostle and another person. One is an office and the other does not have an office. And the office exercises authority. Mm. But what matters on the other side is the life. Mm. And if you look at Paul, he talks about his life. And he also talks about his authority. He says, when I come, should I come with gentleness or should I come with a whip? Don't, don't uh, neglect. I have an authority that comes from the office. But I exercise that authority because I live my life before you. Hmm. I live my life before you. Amen. The simplicity of my life. And I live my life. Uh, you see my life before you. So that is my issue with the all this new... Apostolic, that's what it is called NAR, Apostolic Reformation. Meaning the only reformation is that <laughs> they brought the apostles back and put the garb of the world in it. <laughs> no. Otherwise I have no issues with the office. I still, still believe all the five offices are there and we need those offices, you know, because uh, the, the body has to function in all the gifts that God has given offices, every gift God has given. We need it more today than any time before. Yeah. Only thing is that we also need the life. But the power is in the life. In the life. Amen. And Jesus Amen. showed us a way. He said that life. There's power in that life. There's power in the office too. There's both there. Power in the life and power in the office. If you both you put together, there's incredible power. Paul tells Timothy, watch your life. And watch your doctrine. Okay. And thereby you can save both. Yes. Pastor, a few more questions on this. This is question number eight and then we'll go to question number seven. Okay. Question number eight says, quite a few in the body of Christ use terms like success, prosperous, position of victory, and not to confess any negative but positive, and declare and decree, etc., which sounds pagan, Mm. uh, which sounds as uh, pagan movement, jargon, etc., uh, as opposed to confessing to God that we are broken in despair or discouraged like the psalmist and cry out to him and confess the word uh, in our situations, etc. Is this, is, this is biblical, isn't it? Mm. For example, declaring some scriptures may become overboard, a focus of me-centric 
And scriptures like below is twisted to say that we are no longer sinners nor sin anymore, but the righteousness of God. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 21. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. How do we balance, declare and decree so it doesn't turn out to be like the word of faith? Yeah, this is this is one of the major issues again. I mean, this all comes with the dominion movement. Dominion movement. Okay. The, the thing is that all these terms over there is there in the Bible. Success is there, prosperous is there, position of victory is there. But like I said, no, many of their doctrines is taken from the Old Testament. That's why these people hardly preach from the New Testament. Mm. Hardly preach from the New Testament. It was very difficult to find scriptures to to support their doctrine from them. So they go and finally they found one from Third John. If you notice that one verse from Third John and they make it a mountain out of it. Though it is a wish. Mm. <laughs> it's not even a promise. It is a wish. I wish. <laughs> right? It's I wish. Yes, okay. Now, like we have heard it so many times, but there may be people who are hearing it for the first time. The difference is this. The promises given to Israel are physical and material promises connected with a particular land. Mm. That is why it's called a promised land. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yes. Almost all the promises which God has given them is connected with this life. You go through the promises God has given to them in the Old Testament. You don't see any promises connected with the coming life. Do you find? No. Okay. Does he tell Israel, I, I, I'm going to prepare a place for you and I will come back and I take you. There are no such promises to Israel at all. But the Messiah hasn't even come. You don't see these promises in the Old Testament to them. So they are being given a land it's called a promised land. Everyone will have his own plot of land. And if you obey all these things, you will live long in the land that God shall give you, all that. But in the new covenant, here is a man called Paul saying, I wish I died. Yeah. If you ask me, he says, I want to go. Mm. But for your sake, yeah. mm. I will stay. But if you ask me, <clears throat> I'm hard pressed between the two. Hard pressed between <laughs> the two. Meaning, <laughs> So, there is a completely paradigm shift in the New Testament. Mm. Completely shift. Life on earth is not the big thing. Mm. Like we looked in the morning, life on earth is entirely a preparation for the next. The next life is the big thing. So, in the New Covenant, suddenly, <laughs> and I praised to the pastors, I said, you watch the New Testament. Paul tells in the letter to Timothy, if you have food on your table and a shirt on your back, should be content. Not even in a flat is apartment is mentioned. Mm. Forget a house. <laughs> mm. Right? Not even a house. Let me ask you this question. Where in the New Testament, how many verses can you find in the New Testament where God promises long life for people in the New Testament? <laughs> You're called to die. Mm. Absolutely. Mm. He says, you know what? I want a set of people who will overcome. You know how they will overcome? They will overcome him by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony. They do not love their lives even unto death. Mm. 
So this is a completely paradigm shift. I'm not saying you need to die, but you should be willing to die for the sake of the kingdom and the righteousness. And you suddenly see everything has changed. It is not about life on earth. You, your citizenship has changed. You are a citizen of heaven. You are on transition. And the end, like we looked at in the morning, the entire purpose of the church on earth, it's getting people into the kingdom. And those who have got into the kingdom is preparing for the kingdom to come. How to live as a citizen of heaven. Mm. What are the things that are important? That even when you go to work, you are going as ambassadors of Christ. Mm. You are not representing the world. You are representing the kingdom to the world. And how do you need to live there? What are your stands you need to take? What is your witness? What is your testimony? How do you work? So everything is told about how it, it's so important in the family, how it's important for the slaves, how they work with their masters, how the masters. This is all told to Christian husbands, Christian wives, Christian children, Christian slaves, and Christian masters. Hmm. So everything is covered. Why? Because this is the testimony. And when Paul writes to Titus about how it is, we saw that, you look at that. You adorn the doctrine. Adorn the doctrine. Mm-hmm. And there is that one word that he uses over there that is in Titus. Uh, uh, verse uh, 5, 4 and 5. Titus 2, verse 4 and 5. What he is telling the elder ladies to teach the younger ladies. That they admonish the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, homemakers, good, obedient to their own husbands. Why? That the word of God may not be blasphemed. What is he basically saying? He says, you see, we preach. Paul is saying we preach. You live. You live it out. Yes. You live it out. So the way you live it out, people should not question our doctrine. Hmm. Okay, he says, we are preaching and you have to live it out. And we are living it out. You saw our life. You know how I have lived before you saying that Paul has lived it now. But you also need to live it out. Yeah. Then they will say, you know what? The pulpit and the church agrees. Mm. But if the pulpit preaches one thing and the church lives in another direction, he says, the word of God may be blasphemed. They will blaspheme the word of God. I mean, he's, this man is a madman. What is he preaching? What are they saying? His word is not true. The word is not true. So there is enormous pressure on the apostles to live the word out. And there is enormous pressure on the conviction put on the church. You also live it out. And then he warns the church in the Philippians, but many, I tell you, are enemies of the cross cross. of Christ Jesus. Death to self-life. The cross of Jesus. Death to self-life. And that's what it is talking about. And that's where we have to be very, very careful when you look at that question. You know what? Yes, we believe in success. We believe in prosperity. We believe in a position of victory. We believe in all that, but never at the cost of our witness. Mm. Never at the cost of witness. And it is not by naming and claiming. It is not by naming and claiming. It is allowing the life of Christ to manifest in us. It is not by naming and claiming. Though we we make decrees, because that's also there in the Bible. It is not denying. You see, Every the only miracle where as far as I understand if I can in my memory I'm trying to think miracle Jesus Jesus did where nobody demanded anything from him supernaturally overruled everybody's desire, will or whatever was the widow at Nain. Nain yes. In every place somebody has to first agree that he is sick. 
before he could be healed. The problem is don't make any negative confession. You are sick as a dog. You have to first accept you are sick, right? Only the sick need a healer. Okay. So you are not denying your sickness. You are accepting your sickness and looking unto God as a healer. Okay. If you deny a problem, if you deny a problem, you do not have a solution. Let us take take care of a home. Let us take about a married couple. If you deny everything is honky dory, when everything is falling apart, <laughs> where do you get? Don't make any negative confession. <laughs> you are in denial, and denial is not going to. You have to accept the reality. Yes. Yeah, reality. One there, one is there is fact. This is a fact. Your reality, and that is truth. The truth is God is able to restore it. So accept your physical reality as a fact, and you don't live in it. You look, go above it and say, there is somebody who can fix it. The biggest mess, God can fix it. And if you're talking in terms of a marriage, yes, there's a much married woman, five times, now living with the sixth one, God comes and fixes her. Hmm. Jesus is not in denial mode. Hmm. Go bring your husband. She says, I have none. He says, no, you have five. Hmm. Oh, no, no. Negative confession. <laughs> no. You have five. You, you are have a prophet. <laughs> and you are living with the sixth one? It is not a negative confession. It is a positive confession. It is a positive confession. Okay, he said, this is your reality. But you know what I have? I have come to fix you. I have come to fix you. Okay, I have, to come, I have come to fix you. And the one who tries to make a positive confession in a negative situation, he sent him home in the night. It was Nicodemus. Positive confession. I know you are from God, otherwise you wouldn't. Wait a second. Positive confession won't do over here. I know who I am. The problem is not that whether I know who I am. The problem is, do you know who you are? The problem is, you don't know who you are. You are outside the kingdom. You are a teacher in Israel, a ruler. <laughs> and you don't know. <laughs> you don't know the fundamentals that you need to be born again. Hallelujah. Okay? You're not willing to make a negative conf- confession. What is the negative confession? Lord, save me. Mm. You're not willing to make. Bah. If I don't cry out a negative confession, Lord, I save me. How will he save me? Okay. So, if you look at part two, the negative confession is not actually a negative confession. The cry for help is not negative. It is a positive confession. You know, and I don't know how these people actually live. Mm-hmm. <laughs> how do they wake up in the morning and go for breakfast? Honey, I believe and declare that breakfast is coming on my table. Honey, what have you made? Have you made anything? I don't know how they converse in their life. <laughs> do they live normal lives in their homes? Do the cars break up and say, I believe my car is not broken when it is tires are punctured? Mm. <laughs> I mean, how do they live? How do they live? I mean, we have to live in that reality of this physical fallen world, mm. sinful fallen life in which we live mm. and look about it and say, there is a God who can fix it. Amen. And also there is the doctrine of Daniel's three friends. I will not take a fix on any condition. The fix has to come this way. It does not mar who God is. If I am offered a solution where God is replaced, 
something is put in the place of God. That is the major issue with the word of faith. It is not that it is fundamentally fully wrong. No. In the word of faith, your faith is in your faith. Mm -hmm. It is not in your God. The sovereignty of God is taken away. And man has become sovereign. Now what he's doing is that he has taken the word of God. Now God is not the God of the word. You are the God of God's word. It's a very, very, very subtle. Very, very subtle. God is not the God of his word. Meaning you have no autonomy, okay? I mean basically you are telling, you will do as I tell you. I will twist your arm if I want. I will use your own word to twist your arm. I want to claim it. I want to claim it. Okay. So completely, and it is humanism which has crept into the church. Yes. The man is God again. Man. Man is God again. And that is the, where these issues come in. And we have to be very, very careful. It's so subtle because it appeals to the flesh within the church, mm. not outside. Within the church. That is how churches mushroomed all, even in India. How did these churches mushroom? The churches mushroomed in the hundreds and thousands, all these young pastors coming in. It is all word of faith movement. And then they hit a, they started hitting a brick wall because you know what? The kingdom is not a matter of talk. It's a matter of power. To hold your audience, you need power. You need power to be demonstrated. And they realized power is not coming. <laughs> so what did they do? They found you can be masters by night and pastors by day. That is how the lodges are full of pastors. They go there in the night. And they get. They do. They can have a word of knowledge, but it is divination. It is divination. It is divination. It is divination. They will tell you exactly what your problem is. The word of the, the Lord tell us this is having, you have a uh, bakery in Tarnaka. You are running on a loss and the Lord has oh, this man knows everything. It's a word of knowledge which God gives. <laughs> <laughs> the word of Lord which the enemy gives. And the, at Philippi, that's where the girl had a spirit of divination. Everything she said was absolutely 100% right. And Paul did not accept her. He had the spirit of discernment. He says, get out. He said, get out. But she didn't tell a lie. The spirit did not tell a lie. Mm. There are demonic spirits that tell the truth and trap you. The demonic spirits that tell the lie and trap you. They can trap you both ways. That is why we need the spirit of discernment. Who is telling it? See, I'm going to, it's not that I accept truth. I'm going to accept truth only from God. Mm. I don't want the truth from the devil too. Mm. That's the reason even Jesus said, shut yeah. your mouth. Shut they con- when they confess that you are now the Let son. me ask you this question. <laughs> which of the temptations, call it as temptation. Which of, let us take temptation out and say statements. Which of the statements which the devil made to Jesus is false? Nothing. You are the son. Mm. The, if you are the son of God, turn the stones into bread. It is true. He is the son of God and he can turn stones to bread. Mm. He can. There's nothing false in that statement. The problem is truth is coming from the wrong mouth and I refuse to accept it. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. He, he, all this is given unto me and I can give it to you. Is it false? No, it is not false. It is true. Absolutely true. All this was given to Satan by Adam. God gave it to Adam. Adam gave it to Satan. He's, he's not saying you are a liar. Not saying you're a liar. This is what you say is true. And you can give it to me. You can give it to whomever I please. That's how people go to the circle. Where they worship Baphomet. Where they worship the devil. Hmm. And Baphomet is imitating Christ in the last days. Why is Baphomet popped up in the last days? Because the devil knows how it works. Because 
you're just one generation away from the gospel dying. God wants the children. That's only one set of people. God said, do not stop the children from coming to me. So Baphomet sits there with a goat head, with a little boy and a little girl looking at him. Right? So he wants the children. And he has taken the children. That's why you have seen the worship of Baphomet going everywhere around the world, and you especially, and now the transgender <laughs> movement. I mean, it is so terrible. You cannot believe this is happening in the U.S. That eight-year-old kids, nine-year-old kids are going to the transgender movement. The, pe- the parents have no power. And you know what? The chemical, ca- chemical castration of young boys and young girls is taking place. And then they go through dysphoria. And the problem is once you go through that process, you cannot reverse it. (coughs) You cannot reverse it. And the entire government is standing with, I mean, what does a seven-year-old child or an eight-year-old child know? Biden in his debate said it and he's standing up for it. Eight-year-old child says, I'm feeling like a girl now. You know what? I want to be a girl. And then he goes through the hormone injections and then he goes through chemical castrations. His uh, male organs are removed and then he goes through craziness and then he wants to revert back. How does he revert back? Young girls, the breasts are removed. How can you allow this to happen? Don't you see a demonic agenda behind it? Hmm. The demonic agenda is the agenda of Baphomet. He wants the children. And it didn't start yesterday. This is the worship of Molech. And you know what? God had to raise up a young kill called Josiah. And he has to destroy it. And that's the last righteous king of Judah. After that it falls. So we have to have the spirit that was upon Josiah to rise up. Because Josiah is a young boy. And it took a young man to destroy. And he's the grandson of, if I'm right, of Manasseh. Who offered these children to Malek. And he goes all the way and destroys the Bethel. Yeah, Bethel at Bethel, everything hit. And it was prophesied 300 years before Josiah, that a boy called this thing, you know. So instead of doing this stupid uh, name and claim it ministry, pastors need to be standing up and fighting for their children. Next generation, yes. Fighting for the next generation. Spiritually fighting Baphomet and his servants. And they infiltrated the church. Hmm. They have infiltrated the churches. And they changed the gospel. They changed the entire gospel and sold the church to the world and to Baphomet. And that's why we stand and we are not afraid to speak out the truth. That's what I said. I don't trust pastors. I do not trust them at all. If I do not know them, I don't trust them because I don't know where they're coming from. They're coming from very, very few pastors <coughs> out there in US and Nigeria in two name, places. And South Korea. These are the three missionaries sending raised nations now. And I don't trust them. I don't trust them. Because I don't know where they are coming from. I don't care about their numbers they have in their church, how many followers they have in Twitter, on how many millions they have on YouTube. I don't care. I don't trust them. I watch them carefully how they are dealing with the real issues that is taking place. <coughs> Because we we saw this movement for years, because uh, chaplains uh, trained the uh, senates and congress houses around the state. These people also went along with the statue of Baphomet from state house to state house. We should be also allowed to pray, erecting these statues and everywhere. All the junk that is happening over there, the craving for power and all that that's happening over there, and pastors becoming celebrities and all. And you look like you know what. The spirit is wrong. This is not the spirit of Christ. This is not the spirit of Christ. This is not the spirit of Christ. Hmm. This is not the spirit of Christ. This is the spirit of Baphomet. 
when I have issues, I have major issues. That is why we have, that's why that, what that sister wrote from Australia is true. We should be crying out to God. We're looking at what is happening. People should be crying out to God, broken. In the brokenness, we should be cried out. We will be discouraged, you know. I mean, <laughs> look at what Paul went through. And he, everywhere he's crying out, he asked for the church, pray for me, pray for me, pray for me, that I have the boldness to preach the word. Everywhere I go, there is opposition. Pray, pray, pray. They cry out. Yes, they sing, they cry, faith, everything is there. But the fundamental nature of man is does not change. He's entirely dependent upon God. But these people act and live like kings, making just decrees. No, we make decrees, but we do not rule over people. We fight powers of darkness. Amen. So there is so much junk around around that is going. That's why the church is powerless now. <coughs> Absolutely powerless. And it will literally take another spiritual reformation to overturn the whole thing. And the crooks are exposed. So this is again another aspect of false teaching. Yeah, again, that question eight, that this twist, God made him who had no sin mm-hmm. to be sinful so that in Christ, Second Corinthians 5, 21. Yeah, God, yeah, righteousness of God. Yeah. That we might, you look at the term, that we might become. The righteousness. That we are not, we are not are. There is, yes, positionally we are. But one day we will become. All it is there in the Bible. In Genesis chapter 15, when Abraham believed God, it was credited into him as righteousness. Mm. But James says that when he offered Isaac on the, his righteousness was fulfilled. That scripture is fulfilled. Mm. So there is this process of growing in righteousness. But these people, right in the beginning before the church started, I was having issues with a couple of people who were in my Bible studies because they used to come from some of these churches, in new churches in Hyderabad, they said, no, you cannot preach about sin anymore and repentance anymore because our pastor has taught us that we are the righteousness of God, so we should not be repenting and talking about sin anymore because we are already perfect, which is also there in the Bible positionally. The seed is perfect. In the seed is everything of the tree. It's like a little child (laughs) uh, confessed and said, oh, uh, pastor, I accepted Jesus and I have forgiven uh, of all my sins and all my sins have gone away. He's put his arms around the little girl and said, don't worry, sweetheart, it will come back. <laughs> it will come back. Isn't, is that, isn't that all of us, our experience? Yes. It came back. We realize we are fighting it every, every day. day. Every day. As long as you are in this body. I always find that testimony, or rather, I don't, don't want to call it testimony, but, but Leo Tolstoy, US, I mean, Russia's wow. greatest uh, novelist in his 80s, was asked him, what is your greatest temptation at this age? He said, lust. <laughs> lust. See, this doesn't, age has got nothing to do with lust. Mm. You may not have a a sexual relationship with a woman, but lust doesn't go away. Mm. And that is why it is important when Abhishek is brought, David is died to lust. Mm. That is what is important. Mm. Lust doesn't go away, but he's overcome lust. Mm -hmm. He's overcome lust. It is not that he did not, he doesn't even touch her. He's overcome lust. Is overcome us, you know. So as long as you are in this body, you will. Everything is there in this flesh. <laughs> everything is there in this flesh. 
Only thing we struggle in different areas, but everything is there in the flesh. Sorcery is also there in the flesh. Yep. It's, it's all uh, there in the yes, flesh. Yes, yes. So if you are saying that you won't repent and you don't have to cry out for God for mercy, then my issue with these people is that people who say that is let's look at Hebrews 4.16. According to this group, the throne room of, let us boldly go to the throne room of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. If you look to this grace, the throne room of God has two gates. Okay. One is the gate of mercy and one of the grace. The gate of grace is for them because they never need mercy. They never need mercy because if you need mercy, you have to acknowledge you are a sinner. You have sinned. You need help. They don't need mercy. They only need grace. For the rest of us who are normal beings, we go through these two gates every day. We ask for mercy and we ask for grace. But for them, you need, they don't need mercy at all. They don't need mercy at all. They only need, so they just make decrees because they don't. No. Now let my question to you is, how different are they from the Pope? He also makes decrees. Ex-cathedra is infallible. They also make decrees. That's why Kenneth Copeland and the Pope can meet together with the hugging Amma and the, with the, and they are bringing one world religion. See, I love some pastors, new pastors who are coming up like Ken Christmas and all the, but I have issue with Victory Channel. <laughs> My problem with them is that Victory Channel belongs to Kenneth Copeland and I will never accept Kenneth Copeland as one of anything. I don't. Because I look at his doctrine and I look at how what he teaches and look at his life. The problem is Victory Channel is belongs to him. The channel is hosted by him. That was my only major issue with Ravi Zach. Why did you go to the Mormon Tabernacle and preach? All my issues with Ravi Zach. My only issue was that go to a university and preach. But when you go to a cult and go behind their pulpit, you're giving sanctity to that pulpit. When you go to an auditorium and preach, it is okay. It does not matter. All kinds of people are involved over there. And you also going as an apologist. But when you go to the Mormon tabernacle, you goofed up. That's one place you don't go. You don't go. You do not go. Okay? So you need to realize the Victory Channel. I like the people over there. I like the people, the news program. I like all of them. Not they're bad people or anything. But the problem is who hosts it? Right, it's Kenneth Copeland Ministries. And Kenneth Copeland, it's a, all those who are listening from GTC. Kenneth Copeland is an absolute no-no. And all the young apostles and prophets from Nigeria, when you go to USA, who's the granddaddy you go and need to be prayed over? Kenneth Copeland, right? Very, very certain. And was Kenneth Copeland with the Pope? Yeah, he was. Yes. Who's? <coughs> the Pope, the leader of the one world religion? Yes, he is. What is he doing with the Pope? What's he doing with the Pope? So we have to look at it. Be very wise children. That's the problem with our church also, Hyderabad. Listen to everybody. Even if they don't listen to what we preach, they will listen to everybody else. And then come and sit in the church like dummies. Totally confused. 
At least our churches around the world is very, very clear. They listen to us. They don't listen to others. They are very careful. They are not. But our church here, everybody, they will listen. And you know what? They get confused. Because they don't know the spirit operating behind these preachers. You have to be very, very careful. Very, very careful. Because there are spirits. And it's very subtle way. Because you, you cannot, like yesterday I was talking to, I think it was my sister or somebody was talking. It says, you take one glass of water. All you have to drop is one drop of poison. One drop of poison. 99.99% is pure. But that one drop ultimately will kill you. I'm not talking about being perfect. I'm talking about you cannot err on fundamental doctrines. Mm. There are fundamental doctrines. One, repentance from dead works. Mm. Faith towards God. Fundamental doctrines. You are saved by grace and grace grace alone. And that grace comes by faith. And faith demands you go through the gate of mercy and grace. Appropriate grace through faith. But before grace gate is mercy gate. Is that clear? It is not by decree. (laughs) Decree is when God tells you. Then Elijah, you stand before Ahab and you make a decree. Because God told you. Before whom? You stand before God. And okay, I have made a decree to Ahab until the word of the Lord comes from my mouth again. No dew, no rain. And what is the next decree here? Yes, run for your life. Mm. You don't see these guys running. They would sit with Ahab and have lunch. What do you need to Ahab? Elijah, run and hide. hide. Run and hide. Okay. And after that, hide in a poor Samaritan woman's widow's house. Okay, so you need to understand. Did he make a decree? Yes, he made a decree. And after that, did he have to run? He had to run. He had to hide. Okay. That's my issue. Fundamental issues with them is that I look at them, I look at the word, and I look at the lives of the people in the word of God. And I look at the wives. Life doesn't agree. Mm. I see the life of Christ. I see the life of the apostles. It does not agree. And I know the apostles, before they became uh, baptized in the Holy Spirit, before Jesus' death, they also believed in the name and claim and fire and thunder and right side and left side and power. And they all believed in that. You know, They all believed in that. They were part of this word of faith movement. And then God opened. Like Pastor Vijay says, the only smart one among them was Judas. He understood the cross and he said, it's not worth it. Let me sell it. Make some money out of it. There's no point following him. He understood this kingdom business is not now. The real kingdom is coming much later. In this life, there is no gain walking with him. It's loss. Loss now, gain then. They have changed it all around. says gain now, gain then. Because somebody said they want to live like the rich man. Yeah. And they want to die like, die like. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> live like the rich man. And <laughs> like I, I have no issue. Please don't <laughs> misunderstand me, all those who are here. You have no issues with the riches. But the Bible says about that Proverbs, when God prospers a man, he does not add, he does not add sorrow. any sorrow. To God prospers. God is a God of prosperity. He prospers. No, God prospers. And the first time we, if I am right in the Bible, we hear about prosperity. First time we hear about prosperity, 
12. Yes. Is Genesis chapter 12. Pharaoh adds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Verse 15 and 16. <laughs> Pharaoh adds for the sake of... <laughs> 15, 16, 17. The princess of Pharaoh also saw her, commended her to Pharaoh, and the woman was taken to Pharaoh's house. And he treated Abraham well for, for her, her sake. sake. He had she had sheep, oxen, male donkeys, male, female servants, female donkeys, and keep it there. So how do you keep it there? Keep it there. So how do you put it across? Meaning, I mean, if you if you, if you look at it, you have to understand the principle over here. The mm. principle is important. That's how we apply it. What did Pharaoh Abraham do? He sold his integrity. Mm. He sold his integrity, and he was blessed by the ruler of that world. Mm. The ruler of that world. You sell your integrity, and you. So let us talk about the word of faith movement. What is primarily what is they teach? You name it, you claim it, you confess it. Let me ask you this question. Where is your hard work? Where is your thrift? Where is your integrity? Where is your giving? Hmm. Where is it? So the believer just has to name it and claim it while the unbeliever works his guts out. Hmm. Then you stand in front of his bank where his hard-earned money is put and you say, let it be transferred into my account because the wealth of the uh, wicked is kept for the righteous. He's wicked while I am righteous. Oh let me Lord, tell you, when it comes to works, he's actually more righteous than righteous you. Yes. Yes. This is the fundamental problem. And verse 17 is a different thing. What Pharaoh does and what God does. But the Lord plagued Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarai, Abraham's wife. <laughs> Pharaoh blesses God curses <laughs> then you come down further if you come to chapter 13 verse 5 and 6 Lot also who went with Abraham had flocks and herds and Pharaoh blessed everybody who went with Abraham now the land was not able to support them and they might dwell together for the possessions were so great they could not dwell together and verse 7 and there was strife. Let me ask you this. Even God adds wealth, is there strife? No. No. Where did strife come? Because of wealth. Because, because of wealth. ill-gotten wealth. Just ill-gotten mm-hmm. wealth. Strife came. Trouble came. Problems came. Okay. So please, we don't misunderstand. <coughs> I am not against prosperity. Actually, I am for prosperity. Because there's nothing, nothing, no virtue in poverty. Poverty. Only thing is that, can you, do you have, have you grown to the level where you can handle prosperity? Mm. When you can handle prosperity, which it doesn't eat up your soul. Because the problem with money is, in this world, money is power. Will you be, will you be still dependent upon God? Let me ask you this simple put question. When you are making 10,000 rupees, I'm just putting in Indian, let's say when you're making 20,000 rupees a month, and you knew your dependence upon God. It was hand to mouth. Bills were so high. Now you are making 200,000 rupees a month. Is your dependence the same? Mm. Or actually more? When you were at 20, you were crying out to the Lord, Lord, I need provision to meet my needs. And you cried out and God was faithful. He added whenever you needed. Now at two, sorry, 200,000, you don't have to cry out to God for provision. Your cry is different. Lord, save my soul. Let me not fall that because I have more than enough. And I should not allow God, money to be my God. That I start taking decisions without your consent. Hmm. Because money gives me the power to make those decisions. Hmm. 
think about it. Would you? I'm not putting a spanner in anybody's works, but I'm telling you, if you did not have that kind of money, would you plan your vacations? Would you plan your shopping? Would you buy all the stuff you bought? Has it while earlier when you had only this much, you were so very careful. You asked the Lord, stretch this Lord, stretch this Lord, stretch this Lord. Now there is no ask for any stretching. You are making decisions. Yet, do you sovereignly believe that I am just a steward and this is his? This is it. God gives us all things for our life. That always there. But what I am talking about is the Lordship. Are we more surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus Christ when we are wealthy? As we were when we were not so wealthy. That was the test for Abraham. I mean, Abraham is old, Sarah, and is still there, and Isaac is a young man. God asks him, take your son, <laughs> your only son. If you look at it, that's his future. That is his wealth. <laughs> Remember at 15 when God came and says, Abraham, I am your shield and exceedingly great, great reward. He says, like, you are in, uh, in Winnie the Pooh and this what's the point? <laughs> I have no child. You're. <laughs> You're. <laughs> It talks like you're the donkey there. Now, what's the point? Being all this reward you're going to, who is going to take it? I have no child. Because the desire of every father, Ambani wants his children to take. Right? Every father wants his children to take. He says, I have no children. This Elias or the Syrian fellow will take it all. <laughs> okay. Now he has a son. The heir of all his inheritance. And God doesn't ask for the inheritance. He asks for the heir. The Bible says the next day morning. You see, when he's extremely wealthy, he's so much more surrendered than he was when he entered the promised land. Mm. When he entered the promised land, he was not surrendered. The minute famine came, he ran for his life. He said, tell you are my sister. And he tried to protect what he had and went. And the Pharaoh added to what he had. But at the end of his life, life, he's so much more surrendered. So, so somebody said, no, even then, even even if at that time people would say, Abraham, so you're so rich, mm. he would say deep down in his heart, I possess nothing because whatever I've given, I put it everything. I on put the, it on the altar. altar. I possess nothing. I even possess nothing. nothing. Yeah. And that is what is God is mm. talking about. It's not about prosperity. Can you handle it? Mm. Can you handle it? Is your surrender? And as to such people, God can give. Isaac was prosperous. Right? Isaac was prosperous <coughs> and he was prosperous. Did he fight for the wells? He didn't. No. <laughs> he didn't fight for the well. No. Jacob was prosperous. They were all prosperous. But if you look at the heart of it, ultimately they were incredibly transformed oh. men. The wells did not touch their soul at Amen. all. The new covenant also we believe. It's mm. a gift. God gives you the gift, the power, but don't let it corrupt your soul. I do believe God is a God, so don't misunderstand me. I only try to balance it. The sovereignty of God should never be taken away. Never. Where you take the sovereignty of God and you use God's own word. God, it's, it's, it sounds more like Kaikeyi in Mahabharata. Right? She had saved Dasarath's life in somewhere over there. Now Dasarath is old and he has the eldest son is Ram. And her son is Bharat. So he holds him to his promise and said, you know what? Remember you made a promise? He said, yes. What is it? Bharat is I want my son to be king. Bharat is mm-hmm. Twisted. Mm-hmm. And that's what these people do. Mm-hmm. 
you said this and I'm holding you to, I'm twisting your hand to that. I am going to name it and claim it. No, you can't. God has given you a promise and when things go all wrong, you're standing on the promise. It's a different thing. Mm. You're standing on the faithfulness of God, on the promises of God which God has given you and say, Lord, everything is going against me. I see no hope at all. Yet, against hope I shall believe. That's what Paul says. He was persuaded. Abraham. He looked at all that is happening. He's dead. His wife's womb is dead. But you said, next year this time, against hope I am believed. He's not claiming and naming. He's standing on the promise of God which has given. That is different from what these people are talking about. Yeah. A completely, completely paradigm, sh- it's, it's completely two different things what they are talking about. And we need to understand because this subtle way, the cults, that's what the person wrote. It's not Jehovah's Witness and Mormons alone. There are so many cults around. And good pastors I know, good pastors I know who started off very, very well, all flipped under the pressure. What is the pressure? I want to build this big church. I want to have this big crowd. I want to this thing. And to get the crowd and keep the crowd, you change the message. And once you change the message, the crowd will come. As you don't, as long as you don't offend the crowd and keep the crowd happy, they will come. They will come. And in so many ways, like I kept saying, I mean, it's, it's cruel to say it, you may say, but it is the truth. Many of the things which God said through his prophet sounded very cruel, but it was true. The pandemic is a judgment on the world, but the first judgment is not on the world, it is on the house of God. Because he said his judgment begins first in the house of God. This is the house of God. How will your doctrine stand? How will your people come through this? That is why in this pandemic, more churches have closed down than most or temples. So, I'm sorry, you may be offended when you are hearing, but this is the truth. It's a test of our faith. Will we stay true to the doctrine? And Paul stays true in spite of everybody, everything turns against him. He stays true to his doctrine and he says, no, I have. Yes, Pastor Vijay. Pastor, I think we have to go to this next question, which is also on the same lines, because we're talking about doctrine. This is question number seven. Seven. Apart from examining examining the lyrics, should we discard all the songs from Bethel? This is another church movement. Bethel, yeah, yeah, I know. Bethel, Hill, Hill Song, song Elevation, Elevation, and Jesus Culture, because they may have been grounded in false doctrine and also theologically uh, air organizations. Mm-hmm. If the lyrics are correct, are, are correct and not twisted, can we still consider the above, or be safe to sing, or is it safe to sing hymns, etc.? Uh, I would say, I would personally say, go with the lyrics. Go with the lyrics. Why I say it is that even the hymns which we sing, we don't know. Truly know the people who wrote yeah. it. Though we have stories, we do not know how theologically sound. We sing the hymns because the hymns are scripturally, theologically sound. sound. So it doesn't matter who wrote the lyrics. I would say, otherwise it will be very difficult to sing a song. <laughs> okay, sing a song. I would say that, look at the lyrics, see if the lyrics are theologically sound, 
go with the leading of the Holy Spirit because you don't have to be confused over here because you have the Spirit now. The Holy Spirit will lead you. He will teach you. He will tell you, don't sing this. Ultimately, worship is Spirit-led. Worship is Spirit-led. It is a, the, He's the one who leads you in worship. And I would say, listen to the Holy Spirit. The, the worship leader listens to the Holy Spirit. And uh, the pastor, if he's led by the Holy Spirit, will say after that, next time, don't sing that song. Yeah. I was not comfortable mm-hmm. about it. There's a check in my spirit. And it works. We cannot be rigid about this. Then we will start doubting everything. Mm-hmm. It cannot be. That is where the Holy Spirit comes. Yes, theology, lyrics really, really matter. You cannot change the word. Lyrics really, really, really matter. So the lyrics needs to be theological because now what they are doing in all the mainline denominations around Europe, US, is they're taking the blood off because it offends people. <laughs> if you take the blood off, then what is left? Are you saved? So we have to look at look at uh, the lyrics and. Uh, and uh, allow the Holy Spirit to lead us. Pastor, I think we'll have question for one, one uh, time for one, one last question. Yeah. Um, we'll do nine because that's the last question yes, over there. Nine, there are yeah. nine is two part and uh, yeah, it's uh, two part. You want to do it? Yeah, we'll do it. Okay. Almost Let's have a family question. question yeah. Almost all David's sons were rebellious in a way, except Solomon, who wasn't that who wasn't that godly either. Whilst David was after God's own heart. Why none of his boys followed God the way David did, despite God's promise of blessing upon his lineage? Yes, Jesus came in the lineage of David, but after only 700 years or so. As a godly father, did David not only have, not have any godly influence on his, on his sons? Was it also because of the consequences of his sins? Now let's leave the sin aside. Let's look at, uh, the first thing David made a mistake is first to us that, Multiplicity of eyes. Okay, though it is there in the old covenant, but that automatically messes up a home. Multiplicity of eyes. Now, when you when you are talking about children, when we are talking about we are talking about children. Basically, we talk about sons, but we have to talk about sons and daughters. Basically, we look at children. When you look at children, you have two parents which God has given: a father and a mother. Father and a mother. And if children have to turn out the way we want them to turn out, according to scripture, it takes two to tango. Mm. Father and the mother. Father and the mother, both. And they understand God's order. The wife understands the first, let's leave the wife out. Let's take the man. He comes under the headship of Christ. Surrender. The wife comes totally under the headship of man. And under that supervision, the children grow up. The children will turn out. Usually, chances are pretty good they will turn out well. But let me tell you one fundamental picture over here. In the entire Bible, if you look, there is only one woman who submitted to her husband. It is Sarah. Mm. Not Enoch's wife. Not Noah's wife. Not Isaac's wife. Not Jacob's wife. Not Moses' wife. Not David's wife. Not Solomon's wife. Not a single woman submitted to their husbands so their families fell apart. Okay. Now we are not condoning the actions of the men but these men are called godly. Hmm. That is why in the entire Bible Sarah is the only one who is mentioned and Abraham could 
command his children. Yes. Because his wife revered her husband and called him Lord. She never contradicted her husband. Never contradicted her husband. So Abraham could tell Ishmael, get out. Go, go. Midian, all of you. North Town, all of you. Leave. Take your gifts Take. and go. Go. Mm. And they obeyed. His word was law. His word was law. And we need to understand this is funny. Why don't children turn out right? Why did David's children don't turn out right? Because he had many wives. And none of them, none of the wives revered him. And the only one who revered was Bathsheba. How do we know? It's because from the book of Proverbs. Mm. Lemuel is Solomon. And yes. Solomon is talking about his mother. But why didn't Solomon turn out right? Is because there is, uh, there is character, proven character, which comes through sufferings. Sufferings, perseverance, proven character. And one thing Solomon did not have is sufferings. Sufferings. Mm. He did not go through that. David went through that. Mm. Solomon did. So Solomon had a good father, godly father, and a godly mother who protected him. But he was not trained. Mm. He was not trained. And because he had character, but he did not have proven character. So once he came onto the throne and all his enemies were under his feet and ease came, character did not hold up to ease. Mm. And he started falling apart. Prosperity is a bigger test. Yeah, pros- mm. he fell under the test of prosperity, prosperity. because he was not proved. Mm. And that is the issue. That is why we keep telling, don't make the life of your children easy. You're destroying them in the long run. If the life, we make the life of our children easy, easy, in the long run, they will not have proven character. Mm. Because we have to make it as difficult as, I'm not saying torture them or torment them, but don't make it very easy. Let them just live like the normal people. Mm. And let it be difficult. Let them know it doesn't come the easy way. Easy way. Instead, what do we know? Before they know how to walk, we give them smartphones, we give them credit cards, go eat and buy and eat whatever you want, go for a 300-ticket movie, dress designer clothes. We already <laughs> sowing the seed to destroy our children. Because they will not have proven character because they have not understood, understood how difficult, to live, yes, difficult so really life yes. is. The, the the nature of the curse on earth. Yep, yep. That earth is full of thorns and thistles by the sweat of of your brow. And you don't have to sweat like that, but it was broken on the cross. So walk with God consistently Mm. so Mm. that you don't come under the curse. Mm. So they have learned. First they don't learn that. First they learn how to labor, how the curse operates so that appreciate Christ. Mm. If they don't Understand how the curse operates. They will not appreciate. even Jesus had to go through the problem. Yeah, he had to. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's 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 the whole issues. Mm-hmm. The whole issues. A generation grows up in ease, and they don't appreciate Christ because they never went, and because the parents covered the curse mm-hmm. and says, you know what, you have an easy life, and we are destroying our children. Whether it is in eating and drinking, clothing, education, transport entertainment, you look at the amount of toys children have. Hmm. And they appreciate nothing. The problem is if you give a child anything too many, they appreciate nothing. You give them too many clothes, you give them too many toys, Hmm. they appreciate nothing. They appreciate nothing. Simple thing, it may say sound, this thing, easy come, easy go. 
c'est impossible. You don't need. You don't. You, you don't need. Instead, give them books. Tell them to sit and read. Other stuff. Tell them to sit and read. But we don't get them. No. Boy, you have to look at what you say. Shoe racks of children. Wardrobes of children. The amount. The toy room of children. What are they going to learn? You know, it's very difficult for the parents. Very difficult for the parents to... You see, <coughs> you cannot change the child unless the parent changes. That's the problem. Mm. The problem is the parent likes the wardrobe. Mm. The parent likes toys. He has his own toys. She has her own toys. And the children are also given toys. <laughs> <laughs> and then the problem is that... The problem is not with the child. <laughs> the problem is with the parents. The parent doesn't want to live a simple life. Mm. So that is where the problem comes. That is not, I'm not getting into it because a lot of people get upset and mad with me and they'll call him I'm a party pooper and all that. Okay, you can call me, say all that. But I'm telling you, <laughs> eternity will prove a lot of things. <laughs> How these things really, really, that's, I mean, you go to 1 John and uh, chapter 2 and verse 15, right? All that is in the world, yes, Pastor. Yeah. Love not the world, not the things in the world. <laughs> Do not love the world? Hmm. Understand? Okay, theory, ideology, pattern, this, and what is that? Or, or what? <laughs> Ticks. <laughs> Ticks. That's very simple, right? <laughs> Any translation, you know, it is things are things, right? How can you give a child so many things and tell the child don't love the things? Mm. <laughs> How can you teach? The more things you give the child, the more it loves things. Lord of mercy, Lord. <laughs> Okay, this is, this, this is a very simple word. It is not complicated. This is not Latin. This is English. <laughs> Do not love the world or the things. things of the world. Things are things. Okay. Things. So let me ask you a practical this thing with your parents. How do I as a parent mm. help my child not to love things? Simple, practical. Don't give your child too many Whatever it is, too many things. Too many things. Hmm. As simple as that. <laughs> and also teach them how it is. You know, when I used to take youth meetings in other places and countries and all, I used to tell them this straight away. I tell the children because it's a youth meeting. I know the youth very well. I said, um, "Do you have a phone? Show me your phone. Smartphone, Android, iPhone, whatever." I said, "How much it cost you?" Did you buy it? No. Daddy gave, mommy gave. Okay. How much did it cost you? Fifteen thousand. Okay. What does your father do? He works in this. How much does he make? Thirty thousand. How much does the phone cost? Fifteen thousand. So how do you put it across as fifteen thousand? How do you value this phone? You know what this phone is? I told the children. This is fifteen days of your father's life. Do you think this thing is worth 15 days of your father's life? Oh. That's perspective. <clears throat> Tell me that. And answer accordingly. Did he give it to you or did you ask for it? Did you fight for it? Did you sulk for it? Did you say, hey, all my friends have it and the father was put on a guilt trip, mother was put on a guilt trip, my child alone has to 
look like an ordinary boy all the others ordinary girl whatever whether it is an outfit whether it is a phone whatever things it is you put parents on a guilt trip and they make them or the parent is on a guilt trip my child needs to look like the latest latest one of a fashion model whatever it is junk is nonsense all that is nonsense the bible is very clear you need to read the full verse do not love the world or the things in the world if anyone loves the world the Allah. love of the father is not in him you know what it means no man can serve two masters mm. no man can love two things at the same time which are contrary which are opposite mm. you cannot <coughs> i cannot be a capitalist and a communist at the at same, same time. time it's not possible yes. they are ideologically different that is why even in pagan religions mm. like in india gentle religions ultimately they follow one god yeah. the one who is a krishna bhakti is not a shiva bhakti yeah. the one who follows shiva doesn't follow krishna that's true all of them choose one yeah. one who is after ganesh doesn't go after kali they may include but you ask them who is your primary god mm. they will tell you who it is because even they know it is not possible to follow two gods of the same pantheon mm. it is not possible but we are teaching the church which knows there is only one god is trying to teach our children teach the people it is possible to follow two mm. god and the world then we wonder why we are failing mm. why you are failing so why did david fail i would say david failed primarily but poor man okay god overruled all that i would say uh, david was messed up by saul if i look into david David really loved Michal, Saul's son. That was his first wife. He loved her. And if Saul hadn't messed that man's life up, it would have been a very, very smooth transition. Because God is a kind and a merciful God. God says, "I'm taking your kingdom. I'm giving it to another man, a man after my own heart." He brought him out. He was a champion. First, Saul loved him. his daughter loved him jonathan loved him. jonathan loved him the heir to the throne the people. the people loved him the army loved him it would have been a smooth transition without any issues it would have been covered up very nicely and like david said solomon would be king saul at his old age would have said i'm handing the throne over to my son in law david and jonathan would say yeah i will be his right hand if he wants to be instead that man goofed him up that is why at the later when abner comes on to the side he said i want michal back but michal remains barren because she has contempt on david so you have to look at this man was is a young man too many forces against him and you know, when people are under pressure and the old covenant people under pressure they made so many decisions running fleeing he took abigail he took the jesurite i mean so, so many concubines they stayed you know So as far as you look at it he messed up his home but Bathsheba covered him and she covered Solomon because even if the father is not very spiritual if the mother is very godly because mothers have incredible influence on children incredible influence on children sometimes more than the father mothers can have influence because at home the mother is there Okay, so you can see Isaac's influence on Esau and Rebekah's influence on Jacob. You can see Hannah's influence on Samuel and Bathsheba's influence on Solomon. Others can, and Timothy, the influence of his grandmother and mother, though the father is Greek. So 
That's what I'm talking about. If mothers are God, almost all the pastors, ancient times have heard, old days, not ancient, old times have heard, who came from broken homes, almost every one of their mother was godly. Mm. Father was alcoholic and abandoned. The mother was godly. And when they came from normal homes, the father was godly, mother was godly. Or in every case of broken house, it is not talking about, they all talk about their mother. The mother was a godly mother. The father just abandoned and left. So you have to look at these pictures. Hmm. But when the mother goes kaput, it's very, very difficult. Very, very difficult. Because the child is with the mother in the formative years. You know, Mother is flesh, worldly. The children will automatically go worldly. The children are not saved. They are just separated. They are not saved. So they are all flesh. And if the mother or the or whichever way, either either the father should be absent, absentee, get out of the place and leave the child like Elkanah did, left Jamal with Hannah, with a wise man. But if the father is present and the father is worldly, the child will follow the father. If the father is godly, the mother is worldly, the child will follow the mother because the child is anyway worldly. Mm. Because he's all flesh, he's not spirit, he's only flesh, he or she is only flesh, he's not born again. So, whichever is flesh in the family, the child will follow that. Child will follow that. Yeah. That is how homes fail. Homes fail. Doesn't matter how many times you say it, but why I'm saying is because we have lots of young parents here. It's a young father on the way, you know. Okay. Got a solid foundation. Keep it simple. Protect your children. Don't take them out into the world so much. <coughs> it's not that protecting them from the world that is negative. The positive side. Teach them and show them how to love Christ. That is the actual. One is outside, the other is inside. Mm. You have to live before them consistently. You know what? Consistently, you know what? I love God. And they have to see it. Mm. Love God. And God knows that. That is why in Israel's and Judah's history will say that even about Josiah, like his father David. Every king down the line knew David loved God. Mm. So they had a history. Our great-grandfather, you know what, loved God. Mm. And the child will go. At something, you have to live that out. When words fail, everything will. Life still succeeds. You know that. That is the thing. That is the simple thing. The parents have the responsibility to, sh- on a day-to-day basis, showing it to their children. You know what? Is, do you know why I don't love the world? Not because I hate the world. No. It's because I love Christ. Mm. That is the reason. In the light of Christ, boring. This is boring. I'm not saying it's not interesting. Of course the world is interesting. But in the light of Christ, the world is boring. It is boring. And they have to see it. They have to see it. And that ultimately will change. Don't make Jesus boring. Jesus is exciting. Jesus is fun to be with. Kids. Amen. Pastor Vijay, we shall pray. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Father, we just thank, thank you. you we praise you. Lord. We worship you, Lord. We thank you for today. Thank you for these dear ones who send these questions, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. Because one person asked a question. Many people, their unanswered questions, they get an answer. One poor lady 
issue of blood with 12 years, pushes through the crowd, touches the hem of the robe, is healed. Jesus gets to the front, she witnesses, she testifies, and after that, the Bible says, Lord, so many touched the hem of the robe, and they were healed. That's the same with, with these dear ones who sent the questions. And I pray, Father, ending up with the last question, we have so many young parents in the church, young parents with little toddlers, little, little ones. Oh, Father, help them, help them not to go in the way of the world. Our children are precious, more precious to you than even us. We may think we love them, but even we cannot love them the way you love them. We need to protect them from the world and the things of the world. Because once a child starts loving things, it is so difficult to take it out of Father. So difficult. And I pray as our young parents will learn this and protect their children and withstand the pressure of conformity to the world. Because the word says, do not conform to the pattern of the world. Don't conform. The Lord, let the church stand out, separate as a city on the hill and not conforming to the pattern of the world. Because sometimes our prosperity gospel begins with our children Mm. itself. Oh, Father, help us, Lord, to protect our children. But the spirit of Malek is out there Mm. after our children. And the spirit of Christ is also out there for our children. Which spirit will we bow down and surrender to? Protect our churches, protect our children, Lord. Let plead the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus over the church, everywhere and even here, all homes, all children. Protect, preserve, keep us. And the destroyer shall pass over our homes. And we shall come through stronger and closer to God. Thank you, thank you, Lord, thank you. I speak rest into every person that is going into a night. And rest and strength into every person who's going into a day. Be with both of us, Lord. Thank you, thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, Lord.